Um, so would you turn with me um, to the book of Revelation? This is the book we are studying. Oh my Lord, if you're visiting, don't worry. Don't worry, I'll help you out. We're thinking of, um, the series is called More Than Conquerors. If you want the whole series, then you need to go to Harvest Church Croydon on YouTube. And uh, under Sunday services, you'll get all the preaches. But more than that, if you go on the playlist to Digging Deeper, I dig into each sermon in a lot more depth on a Thursday. And also, for example, this Sunday's sermon, we're going to be dealing with Revelation 10 and 11, and it's an enormous section, and there's a lot in it, but I'm going to unpack it in Digging Deeper. But on a Sunday, we just pick one thought, one idea that you can take away with you. Um, so we're in Revelation. Turn to chapter 11 and verse 15. 11, 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet. Now we've already gone through six of the trumpets. Quite awesome. The same as six of the seals. Um, telling about pretty heavy things that are happening in the world and will happen. Uh, things like a violent world. Uh, things like a, a world that has economic disaster in various parts of the globe, that there is the exploitation of poor over rich. It talks about pollution, it talks about ecological disaster, all the kind of things that we're seeing today. It's in the seven seals and it's in the seven trumpets. And um, last Sunday on the, um, on the fifth trumpet, we were staggered that God had allowed an angel to open the abyss and to let out all the demonic hordes on the earth. Now it's no stranger to you if you're a believer to know that we are in a spiritual battle. But did you know that it's God that let the demons out of the box? We were praying, he knows what he's doing and I trust him and the destroyer it says his name is Abaddon and Apollyon, which means destroyer in Hebrew and Greek. He was allowed to let the demonic hordes out. And um, as we've been working through, I'm just aware that sometimes it can get a little bit heavy and a, a little bit scary. What happened there? Let me just... <laughs> That's better. It can get a little bit scary. Let's read. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God saying, we give thanks to you Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was because you have taken your great power and you have begun to reign. 
The nations were angry. And your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and your saints and those who reverenced your name, both small and great, for, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. So there is a, the time is coming. And God's judgment will come. And God's wrath will come. Then God's temple in heaven was open and within his temple was seen the Ark of his covenant. I chuckled at that because, um, you know, John would be getting this prophetic word from the Lord. And the Ark of the Covenant had been lost for about 600 years. It was the most precious thing that Israel owned. And they lost it when Babylon uh, invaded under Nebuchadnezzar. And they raised Jerusalem to the ground and the, the ark of, it doesn't say he took the ark. It says he took a lot of the valuables out of the temple, but there's no mention made of the ark. And the question is, did he get it or did the Jews hide it? And here's, a, here's another one. Have you ever hidden something? And then you can't remember where you put it. <laughs> well, Surely they wouldn't do that with the ark. Surely they wouldn't hide the ark. But supposing one guy had hid it. And he was then killed by Nebuchadnezzar. So for, for 600 years, John is writing about AD 90. The ark was taken about, I don't know, 500, 400 BC. Where is it? God's temple in heaven was opened and within his temple was seen the Ark of the Covenant. Now, I don't, I don't know necessarily we take that as literally the literal Ark of the Covenant. But what he's saying here is the essence of the Ark of the Covenant and the essence was Shekinah glory. God's presence. God's presence is there like that. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake and a great hailstone. Hailstone. So the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. What I've noticed about Revelation is that doom and gloom, because there's a lot of doom and gloom in Revelation. <laughs> doom and gloom is always interspersed with praise parties and powerful declarations in heaven. Just if you've got your Bible, because there's nothing like a Bible. Go back to chapter one, okay? Just turn a few pages back to chapter one. I'm going to be flicking through. Um, John is on the island of Patmos. I'm going to read verse five. Second part. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. There is a powerful declaration. Go to verse 18. Jesus says, I am the living one. I was dead 
And behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the key to death and Hades. There is another powerful declaration. And then do you remember in chapter 2 and 3, there were seven letters to seven churches, and some of them got some heavy rebukes. Laodicea was the classic one, where, where the Lord says to Laodicea, do you know what? You make me sick. What? You make me sick. So, you know, he turns to Ephesus. He says, you're doing, can I tell you guys, you're doing everything right, except you've forgotten your first love. Well, you know, every time he gives these heavy messages, he ends them with this phrase. To him who overcomes, I will give. So whenever he rebukes, he rebukes in order that you might come in to all the fullness of God. When God disciplines you, his discipline is always redemptive. We don't do that in the world. You know, when, when, you, when someone, you hear a parent in a shop, um, sometimes ticking off their child. And you think, wow, what a You're useless, you are. You'll never amount to anything you want. It's a rebuke that kills, that stifles, that dies. But when Jesus comes and he disciplines us, his discipline is always redemptive. So to him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life. To him... Uh, to him who overcomes, you will not be hurt at all by the second death. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna, uh, Thyatira. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. Uh, writing to Sardis, to him who overcomes, I will dress you in white and so on. Words of praise, words to build up. And then in chapter four and five, we saw heaven opened and we saw that God is seated on his throne and we saw the, the lion and the lamb that is Jesus. And if you turn to 5.12, 5.12, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. There again, Powerful declarations of praise. When we opened the seals, um, it, it, again, the seals were quite heavy. God is going to bring his wrath and his judgment on the world. But then if you go to chapter 7, verse 12, the elders and the living creatures and the angels suddenly burst into praise. Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Powerful declaration of praise. And the one that we're looking at today, the kingdom, this is 11, 15, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. 
Now, why am I why am I pointing this out? Well, I think it will help you if you're prone to depression or if you're prone to self-doubt, if you are prone to anxiety or worry, if you're prone to guilt and condemnation, one of the ways out of it is powerful, declarative praise. Now here you are sitting with, um, here you are sitting with an illness, okay? There's nothing you can do about the illness. You can go to the doctor and he'll try and give you medication and so forth, but there's very little in most illnesses that you can do other than give that illness to God. But if you start with your prayer, Father, I just ask you that you'll come and heal me of this flu in Jesus' name. I pray that you'll bring my temperature down. Uh, I pray, Father, that you'll uh, heal me from the aching in the back. Say to uh, the church, would you pray for me to get around you? We just want to pray for our brother here that you'll heal him from flu. Take his temperature down. Help him not to um, have such a sore back, Father. Help him restore him. Okay, that's the kind of prayers we use a lot of the time, isn't it? Nod your head. Yes. Have you ever had that kind of prayer prayed over you? Yes, yes. Father God, we want to thank you that you are an all-powerful God, that you are in heaven. Father, that everything is known to you, that you rule over this world. We thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit who is in us, who empowers us. We thank you, Father, that nothing will be impossible for us, that all things are possible through Christ Jesus. Well, you're starting to forget about your flu. You're starting to rise yourself above your flu. You're starting to say, hey, listen, listen, Spirit, flu isn't the worst thing in the world. It's nasty. It's not the worst thing in the world. The worst thing in the world is living my life without God. That's the worst thing in the world. So you make a powerful declaration and then move into intercession. If you want to remember it, D-I. It's not particularly memorable, but picture it, D-I. And then Gary tomorrow said, what was that? What was that D-I? Yeah, declaration, intercession. D-I, or if you like, D-S. Is that easier to remember? Declaration, supplication. So as long as you start your prayer with D, declaration. Now, can I prove that? Well, Jesus taught us how to pray, didn't he? What did he start with? Give us this day our daily bread. No. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from... No. Our Father, who's in heaven. I'm going to be praying about my bread. Our Father, who's in heaven. Mighty declaration. Now here's a declaration. Wow, wow. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord. Do you remember Satan? When Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days, at the end of that, Satan came to him. He said, do you know what? So it was the second temptation. 
I will give you all the kingdoms of the world if you just bow to me. I will give you all the kingdoms of the world if you just bow to me. Is that what you want? Can I continue? Yes, I just want you to go into shop on me. I will give you all the kingdoms of the world if you follow me. I actually think I'll turn to it because it's Matthew 4 verse 8. All this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. The kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it's written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. The kingdoms that Satan was going to give to Jesus are not the kingdoms that he's interested in. All the world of commerce, the world of pleasure, the world as we see it, it doesn't interest Jesus at all. After he left Uh, the temptation wilderness in verse 17 it says from that time on Jesus began to preach repent for the kingdom of heaven is near not one of the kingdoms you've got Satan I'm talking about another kingdom I'm talking about the kingdom reign of God in heaven and it's coming it's coming down it's going to be here He's going to replace all your kingdoms. And as he was going around preaching, he was saying, you know, you can reach out for it now. The kingdom of God is near you. The kingdom of God is with you. The kingdom of God can be in you. And then following his death on the cross, it says in Hebrews, after he had provided purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He's reigning in heaven. And then Paul goes on to say in Philippians 2.9, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. When he talks about under the earth, he's really meaning uh, the realm of the dead. In other words, the kingdom is coming to earth. The kingdom is coming to Hades. Jesus descended into Hades to preach the good news to the souls that were bound. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. I just want to give you three thoughts to take away about the kingdom. It's about proclamation. The kingdom is about proclamation. The gospel is advancing. Can you imagine how John must have felt at probably, I don't know, 90 90 years old, 60 years after Jesus had approached him and his brother, And he'd said to John and his brother James, leave your fishing boat and follow me. 
And Jesus at that time was completely obscure. He was a Galilean peasant of no reputation. John, leave me. Come with me. We're going to do stuff together. And 60 years on from that, around about AD 90, he's receiving this revelation. 60 years on, Jesus is being worshipped in the whole of the Roman world. How amazing would that be? 60 years. Imagine starting a work here 60 years ago that is now known throughout the whole world. We go, wow. We go, wow. But you know, it's not so wow because that phone there is taking my broadcast across the globe, isn't it? It's taking kicking across the globe. But Jesus, his message had to be taken by each individual on foot or on donkey or whatever. And 60 years on, Caesar has heard the claim, Jesus es Christos, Jesus is Lord. Jesus es curios, Jesus is Lord. The Jews had heard Jesus as Christos, Jesus as Messiah. So the kingdom, to know that the kingdom is here is to know that the gospel is advancing. Go into all the world and make disciples. The kingdom is about consummation. It's about proclamation. It's about consummation. Jesus is coming back. He is going to bring completion. He has preached this message the kingdom is among you, and we want to say, yes, Lord, the kingdom is in my heart, Lord. But do you know you haven't seen nothing yet? When that loud voice and the trump of God sounds, and the dead in Christ rise, and we who are alive and remain are caught up to be with the Lord in the air, and so we shall forever be with the Lord. Wow, that's the kingdom come in power and do you know i believe it is just round the corner it's coming the kingdom's about proclamation it's about consummation and lastly it's about restoration uh, i love the words at the end of revelation behold i am making everything new i was watching david attenborough uh, last night it, how depressing is that when he talks about extinction and uh, you know that we're managing to wipe out vast percentages of animal and insect and vegetable life um, and that there are things that I have seen in my lifetime that my grandchildren perhaps won't see in their lifetime because they've gone and we're going to try and save the planet. But the Bible tells us that God has something better in mind. He says, look after it, please. I, I gave Adam the first command to till the earth and to rule over the animals and the birds of the air, to look after the planet that I have given you. And you failed miserably in that task. But do you know what? I'm going to make everything new. 
I'm going to start again and you are going to be part of it. And you are going to live kingdom life to all its fullness in the days to come. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. Proclaim it. Proclaim it. Wait on that consummation of the ages and anticipate the wonderful restoration. Do you know, um, if you want a model for restoration, the model should be you. You are meant to be the first fruits of the new creation. Uh, Johnny, if I want to know what the new heaven and the new earth are going to be like, I should be able to look at you and find it. Wow, you're telling me this new heaven and earth is about total peace and total joy and total love and total forgiveness and total faith. Is that what the new kingdom's about? Because that's what I see in your life. Yes, it is. We are the first fruits. Ah, that's a, that's a wonderful challenge to live up to, isn't it? How are you doing? You know, going into work on Monday. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Bit of a cough. Bit of a cough. You know, probably get down with COVID. I don't know. Just see yeah, this rubbish. That's not it. That's not restoration. It's about proclaiming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you would like to dig deeper, um, wow. I'll tell you on Thursday about the two witnesses. Who are they? Just amazing. They preach the gospel. They have signs following. Uh, they're put to death. They're raised from the dead again. Wow. Thursday. YouTube. Harvest Church Crying. If you join our Facebook, you'll get you should get a feed anyway. Okay, let's pray. Come on.